Well, Philip Yancey's wife, Janet, led a Bible study in an assisted living center. And a part of that was a memory care unit. And she would go and do the Bible study there. And one of the ladies there was named Betsy. Betsy had been there a while with Alzheimer's and the disease had progressed. She couldn't remember much. In fact, uh, Janet had to reintroduce herself every week uh, to Betsy. Well, she was doing a Bible study one week on the cross of Christ. Did the Bible study and they sang that song that we love to sing and have for generations together. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. They sang the verses, and then uh, Janet noticed that Betsy was weeping. She thought for a minute she'd said or done something wrong. But then she remembered that Betsy had Alzheimer's. And she realized it was as if Betsy was hearing about the cross for the first time. And she was weeping tears of joy as she heard about the cross of Christ and what the Lord had done on that cross for her. The cross is really familiar in our culture. I'm an Astros fan and... We watch baseball a lot at our household, and so many of the players wear jewelry. And so many of them wear crosses, and I wonder what it means to them. There's diamond crosses and gold crosses and platinum crosses and crosses upside down and sideways every which way. But this morning, I would like for us to take just a few moments together And think once more about the cross of Christ. And what it means to us today. And the difference that it makes in our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. So Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise today. Lord, that you might be with us to show us these things. Lord, may your spirit lead us and guide us in this time. And help us, Lord, to truly understand the miracle of Mount Calvary. The blessing of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the blessings of the cross is something that's called justification. That's a $5 word. But justification is to justify or declare to be righteous. A literal translation would be to pronounce a favorable verdict. It's related to the concepts, uh, the concept of God as the righteous judge. In 2 Corinthians 5:21 we read, "He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God." In him. Let me read that again. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
You know, everyone will stand before the Lord one day who will stand as the righteous judge of all people. Standing before God as righteous judge, God has three choices. He can condemn those who stand before him, and he would be justified in doing so. For we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. He could righteously condemn each and every one of us. Secondly, he could overlook our sin and simply have mercy on us. But God could not do that and be a just God. For he has set forth a law, the soul that sins, it must surely die. The wages of sin is death. And so God, to be a righteous judge, must uphold his law. But there is a third choice. God could change those who stand before us, him, into those who are righteous and then declare them righteous. And that's what God did. That's a miracle. He chose the third option. But how was he going to make sinners like you and I righteous? How could that possibly ever in eternity take place? How could he take an unrighteous person and make them righteous? Back in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 21, we're told of a time when because of the people's sin, fiery serpents came among the people in the camp. And everyone who was bitten died there because of their sin. But God told Moses, I want you to make a bronze serpent, a fiery serpent. In the Old Testament, the serpent was a picture of sin and bronze was a picture of judgment because it was forged in fire. Here's what I want you to do, he said. I want you to take a bronze serpent and I want you to set it on a standard cross. And I want you to walk through the camp and everybody who looks upon that brazen serpent in faith will live. They walked through the camp and everybody who looked in faith upon that fiery serpent lived. In the Gospel of John we read, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That bronze serpent, that picture of sin and judgment was a picture of Christ on the cross. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he who knew no sin had become sin for you and I. So that when we look upon him in faith, we might be redeemed, saved, rescued. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, for one would hardly die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might even dare to die. But God 
demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Amen. So God made a way for us to be righteous in his sight. But not with a righteousness of our own. A righteousness that was given to us purely by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross for our sins. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, God can declare you righteous because in Christ you are righteous. All sins have been forgiven. Amen? God made a way. What a miracle of grace. And he did this not when we deserved it or earned it or paid for it. He did this while we were still his enemies. He did this for us when, when we had turned our backs upon him. Such grace. This is the cross of Christ. This is the cross of Christ. What a miracle. The miracle of justification. Well, there are so many more miracles involving the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to, to you about a few more this morning. And if you'll just turn that slide for me, guys, so I, I don't have that in my notes. The miracle of atonement. The idea of atonement is kind of foreign to us. It, if it sounds like the Old Testament, it's because it's associated with the Old Testament primarily. The idea to atone for something meant to make things right, to restore to favor, to reconcile. It's primarily an Old Testament term that's associated with a sacrificial system and the law. In the Old Testament, the law was, a, was given for a specific purpose. The law, or the Torah, as it's called, was given to point out sin. And the Torah was the mikvot. That was a whole series of 613 laws. Some thought by keeping the law, you could make yourself right with God. You could atone for your sins. But that was never the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to point out that you cannot keep the law. Because the to fail in one of those 613 laws was to break the entire Torah. The whole point was this. I, by my own works, I, by my own effort, I, by my own influence, will never be good enough to keep the law of God sufficiently to earn 
his acceptance. The whole point of the law is this, to say, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. That was the purpose of the law. Paul understood that. He said the, Paul, the law slew him. He was unaware of how great a sinner he was until he read the 613 and he realized, I am in deep trouble with God. And so that law was a reminder that we're sinners. And along with the law, there was a sacrificial system. They would offer sacrifices. The priest offered sacrifices for themselves. They offered sacrifices for the people. They offered sacrifices for the temple and the holy places. And those sacrifices were to be a reminder of sins from year to year, but also they were to be a reminder of the terrible consequences of sin. Sin happened and something died. Now, a few months ago, I, I found a video on, uh, on uh, the internet, and they're actually practicing offering sacrifices for a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. I'd never seen a, a video like this before. They were actually going to offer a sacrifice. And so they, they took the lamb, and they took it aside. They did all the preparation work, but it was so graphic that they didn't actually show the sacrifice. They just showed the, these golden bowls carrying blood by priests out in a long line. It was graphic. But that's the consequence of sin. So we have the law that was a reminder of sin. We have the sacrifices that were a picture of the consequences of sin. But what were their ultimate purpose? In Galatians 3, Paul talks about this. And he says, they were like tutors. The law and the sacrifices, they were like teachers. And they were leading us to something. And what they were leading us to was to come to the place in our hearts and our lives when we would cast ourselves upon the mercy and grace of God. And just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I deserve to be punished. But I place my faith in Christ. Have mercy on me. And, and that was the purpose of the, the atonement. Amen. But I, there's more to it, to the story than that, I think. When we think about the cross. You see, what those... Laws and sacrifices could not do in the Old Testament. God did. Let me read. For the law, since it is only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to offer because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have been conscious of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. 
But then it goes on to say something else. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for the time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. One of the things that amazes me about the cross is the physical nature of the cross. When John the Baptist saw Jesus walking toward him by the Jordan River, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One of the primary reasons Jesus took on a physical body is so that he could offer himself the Son of the living God as a physical sacrifice for sin. Back in the days when the people of God were enslaved in Egypt, God sent ten plagues upon the land. The most horrific was the death of the firstborn. The death angel was going to pass over and every firstborn was going to, be, was going to die. But God made a way. He said, take for yourself a, a lamb without blemish and offer it there by the doorpost of your house. Take hyssop, a pitcher of judgment, dip it in the blood at the base of the door and then put it above the door and beside the door. And everywhere the blood is applied, death will pass over. And everywhere the blood was applied, death passed over. Amen. But the lamb had to die. Friend, listen. Jesus gave his body a physical sacrifice for sin. His shed blood applied to the doorposts of our heart is our only hope of salvation but it is our hope of salvation. Amen? How blessed are we? And it was a physical sacrifice. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace fell upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Before they were done with Jesus offering his body a physical sacrifice, he was barely recognizable as a human being. And that suffering culminated in him giving up his life for us on Calvary's cross. Amen. What a miracle. What a miracle. What a cross. Amen. Amen. Another miracle is the miracle of redemption. In Ephesians 1 7, we read, In him we have redemption through his blood. The word redemption there to redeem means to buy something back with a price. To offer a price for something. 
needs to make a payment that's acceptable. Because of Adam's sin, we were all born slaves to sin. We have that sin nature within us. We've passed it down from generation to generation. All a person has to do to be a sinner is nothing. We were born sinners. Sinners by nature, sinners by choice. That was our lot in life and helpless to save ourselves. Some scholars have written that in in Paul's day, when someone was guilty, they would keep a list of his transgressions. And when he was in prison, they would put it on the door of his cell. Often it was a long list. But as the penalty was paid for each, it was crossed off. And then the next, and the next, and the next. The reality is our list is so great, it will never be exhausted. <laughs> That list that stands on the doorpost of our hearts is so long. But listen to what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all our transgressions having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That list of sins, that list of transgressions, Jesus nailed it to the cross. And wrote over all of it, paid in full. Sin's debt has been paid in full for you and I. And everyone who places their faith in him. Paid in full. On the cross. How glorious is that? And he did this while... We were his enemies. While we were still guilty, while we were still undeserving, he did this graciously for us. Amen. This is the cross of Christ. This is forgiveness. This is grace. This is the love of God for you. There's one other thing. We could go on and on, couldn't we? I mean, there's so much. But I want to speak about one other thing before we close. And that's the, the great, great miracle of propitiation. Another long word for us. But the idea of propitiation is the turning away of the wrath of God by giving an offering. In 1 John 4.10 we read, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4.10 we know that God is a loving God. God is not willing that any should perish. 
He is a loving God. But dear friends, we need to understand something about the love of God. To reject it is a fearful thing. A fearful thing. We don't talk too much about the wrath of God. But the reality is this. Those who reject the salvation he has offered us in Jesus Christ will suffer the wrath of God because of their sin. God has done everything he possibly can to offer salvation to us as a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 2, there's a verse that says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And here's the answer. We will not. To reject this great salvation, to reject what Jesus did on the cross for our sins, to trample his blood under our feet as if it were nothing, bears serious consequences. Serious consequences. Harry Ironsides told a story about a young woman raised in a Christian home. She went her own way in life. She, you know, the prayers of her mother seemed to have no influence on her. And the influence of others seemed to have really no life-changing effect as they prayed for her. She went her own way. She rejected God. She rejected salvation. She rejected anything having to do with the Lord Jesus Christ and turned away from him intentionally. Well, her lifestyle eventually led her to become very, very ill. Doctors did what they could, but it was obvious the end was coming. One night she woke up and called for her mother. Her mother came into her room and she said, Mother, I've had a dream. And in my dream, there was someone in the room and they said, Look at Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, 7 and 8, she opened up the book to Ezekiel. And in that passage, it says, but I'll paraphrase, my judgment is upon thee. And you will be recompensed according to your deeds. And that young lady, having never received Christ, although having heard about him her whole life, slipped into eternity without him. and experience the full wrath of God. God has done everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen to you. He has. Would you come to Christ? He's made a way for you to be declared righteous. He's made a way for your sins to be forgiven. The Lord declares, come now, let us reason together, declares the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Amen. Do you need that today? 
Do you need that forgiveness today, that assurance today? In just a minute, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. But if you need Christ, I just want to encourage you to come forward. I'd love to pray with you. And we'll just agree with God. We're all sinners in need of grace. And we're going to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to provide that grace and forgiveness for us. We're going to turn our hearts toward him and give him our lives. Amen? Do you need that today? Maybe you're a Christian. You've given your heart to Christ. But the salvation that Jesus purchased for you on the cross is not influencing your life today. You see, the Christian life is not earning God's love. It's just being grateful for it. Everything we needed, he provided by grace. And now we can be thankful by living obedient lives. Amen. You may need to rededicate your life here in just a moment as you come. Let me just ask, take just a moment before we stand and let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him what he would have us do in our hearts. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for all you've done for us on the cross of Christ. Thank you for our forgiveness, our acceptance, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Pray for the one that needs you this morning. Meet every need of every heart through Christ our Savior. In his name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing? I want to thank you so much for watching us online here at FBC Kyle today. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. If you have questions about how you can become a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ, please contact me personally. I would love to speak with you. My number is 512-618-2733. If you'd like more information about our church and its activities, you can find that on our webpage at fbckyle.org. If you have other questions or comments, you can also reach us by email at info at fbckyle.com. Well, thank you again for joining us today. We trust that this service has been a blessing to you, and we ask the Lord to be with you as you are a blessing to others this week.